Hello, everyone, and welcome to the newest episode of the Theater Enthusiast Podcast. As always, I have my hot priest candle lit. I didn't even show our guest this from Fleabag. Oh, nice. I also yeah. drink out of the hot priest mug. And uh, I'm very excited to have our next guest. Please welcome Sharon Azrielli. Did I say it correctly? Perfect. Perfect. Oh, perfect. Hold on. There's an applause app. Oh, wait. There we go. Can you hear it? Yeah. I always tell people you can hear it, but because we're recording over Zoom, it cuts out really quickly. So whomever is listening to the podcast will hear the whoop and then it cuts out. But you hear it and that's what's important. Okay, thank you. Thank you for the applause. Of course. Sharon, hello, welcome. Thank you for coming on to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Alice. Of course. So for those who don't know, Sharon is an opera singer. singer. Wow, I can't even speak today. I'm just so excited to have you that I just can't even talk. So you're an opera singer, you are a synagogue cantor, and you are a philanthropist, which we've already learned that I apparently have issues saying that word. Um, But I always have a show mug for people, and I already showed you, but you have the Fiddler on the Roof mug because you did work on the Fiddler on the Roof uh, cast recording in Yiddish, which is really exciting, and we'll get into that as well. So I always like to start from the beginning. Where are you from? I'm from Montreal, which is where I am talking to you from today. And I apologize because you may hear my elderly dog, Toby, who is a very sweet uh, half schnauzer, half I don't know what. And uh, he may be growling in the background. So I'm I'm sorry about that. And please don't apologize for any uh, uh, pronunciation things because you're doing terrific. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it. Well, you know, if your dog Toby does bark, maybe he just wants to be a part of the podcast as well. That's right. He's in all of my, you know, when you, in, during COVID, when uh, we did these YouTube videos, Toby was always, you know, walking in and out uh, under the piano. And so he does, he must have that, that performer streak in him. So yeah, well, I mean, he comes from a family of a performer, performer. so it makes right. sense. Yeah. Yeah, my my kids are performers too. So that's wonderful. Do they also what type of performance do they do? So uh, Matthew is a folk singer and folk songwriter. And you could see him on on uh, YouTube and Spotify, Matthew Azrielli. And my son Solomon is also he's more in the pop genre and um you know new music and he not only writes his own music under solomon rex rex but he also um here i am plugging my kids i'm so i'm sorry plug away i'm a proud jewish mother what i tell you um he also is on spotify he just released a, a new epk on spotify so both of them are and he also writes music for other like you know for advertising and for reality shows like he's a composer they're both amazing. I'm very proud maybe, of them. Maybe the three of you should get together and do like so a we, family. We just did. We just did. I just wrote an, a lullaby album and I got them to sing with me because I, I decided because my, my older son, Matthew, he's only 27, but he just had a baby Aww. a year and a half ago. Very young uh, father, very young, got married. And so I decided I was going to do a lullaby album when the baby was born. And it's about to come out. I'm about to release it on CD Baby. And um, so I did all the lullabies that I used to sing for the kids. And um, so like 59th Street Bridge song, you know, the way Simon and Garfunkel used to sing it. Mm-hmm. And um, House at Pooh Corner, Kenny Loggins and Jim Messina. And uh, one that I wrote for the kids. So we're all singing together. So oh, that, that's, that's so wonderful. Yeah. So wow. I don't know what I'm waiting for to release it. I think, you know, just a few final like mixing and mastering things. And then yeah. we're going to. 
we'll have to let us know when it comes out. So whomever yeah. is listening and have children or eventually will can get the Lullaby album. That's so wonderful. Yeah. Oh, it's a beautiful album. Kermit's, you know, um, Rainbow, um, what's it called? Yeah, Rainbow uh, Connection. Yes, 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 the Rainbow Connection. Yeah, 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 yeah. A few really good songs. That's there's so a rainbow cool. theme in it, I think, because there's Rainbow Connection and there's also Rainbow Sleeves. Mm-hmm. You know, the Ricky, uh, what's her name? Ricky Lee Jones. The Ricky Lee Jones song. I'm not really familiar with it, but I'll look into it once we're done chatting. Actually, uh, uh, what's his name? Tom Waits song. But it's... uh... (laughs) Heard of Tom Waits. That I have heard of. Yeah. So what got you interested in performing? Because I know you went to college at Vassar and Parsons, but it was more for art as opposed to performance. It's funny because I'll tell you, you know, I think that performing, like with my kids, I see it too is just something that you um, are born that you want to do. Like I, I just always wanted to be a singer. I think they started to give me the solos in grade two mm-hmm. as a singer. You, are, you know, if you have a good voice and you just have that personality. But I also think that, um, so my parents, my father was a Holocaust survivor and, you know, um, they, they did not want me to be a performer, my parents. So it was highly discouraged, even though it was acknowledged that I had a great voice and that they, you know, that I always wanted to be a singer. It was frowned upon. So I was very, very young to go to college. And um, Vassar was a great school. I loved it. Uh, But they didn't really have a performance per se, you know, degree. So I did, uh, sorry, you hear Toby barking. Uh, No, I thought I heard there's a dog that lives in my hallway. So I thought it was that dog. Yeah, it's fine. I live oh, in New York. There's always <laughs> something. There's, a, I'm sure there'll be a siren heard at some point. So no worries at all. So I got the, um, I got a degree in art history and I, I studied singing a little bit there. And then um, in order to stay in New York City, I had to sort of be in school. So I got a degree in illustration from Parsons School of Design and I loved it there. But I uh, got about three jobs and, and took voice lessons too, because my dad said, you know, if you want to go to music school, you have to get into Juilliard. That was the only school he had ever heard of. And so it took me a while to get into Juilliard because I really didn't have any music training. So it took me three auditions to get into Juilliard. Oh, you know, wow. Going back <laughs> until they had pity on me. <laughs> What's the audition process like for Juilliard? Well, they only take, I think, three. Four, three or four students a year. They have to have room. The teacher has to accept you into their studio. And it's it's still the same. It's still a very hard place to get into. So, um, yeah, it took me, uh, you know, I had to learn. I think you have to sort of know how to sing before you mm-hmm. get it. And it took me those three years to figure it out a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I was very, I'm very grateful that I did get in. And even though I already had been accepted, by the way, to Indiana State, which is an ex- in a bloom, in a, I think it's Bloomington, Indiana. Is that out? I, I don't know. I'm so bad. I, I went I'm to school Canadian. in Manhattan, so <laughs> I'm, I'm a New Yorker. I was accepted, so I was accepted <laughs> to Manhattan School of Music, too. Yeah. But my dad didn't know those schools, even though they're exceptional learning yeah. institutions. I had to be Juilliard, right? Mm-hmm. So finally, I was accepted, and I, I did, um, I did appreciate it. it. It was, but it was a very stressful learning environment. But yeah. okay, the idea is, if you can survive that, then you can survive the cutthroat world of 
performing in opera around the world. Yeah. And, and that's what I did after I, I graduated from there. I started an international career and I did love I did love opera. I still do love opera. I call it a um, cardiovascular sport akin to figure skating. Yeah. That's so can you I can describe it. Yeah. So you can't really describe how it's a cardiovascular. Does it make it? Oh, oh, yes, please. Sure. Well, first of all, just like any singing, right? Mm -hmm. You're using your lungs. Yeah. Right? As so I'm like propping myself body. up to like right. prep exactly. this we have to we have to stand up straight. Yeah. We're using our lungs, right? Because that's that's what yeah. surrounds the column. The yeah, I've taken some voice lessons in my day. I'm in the shower. And and you want to have long, long breaths. And don't forget that in opera you're not miked, right? In Broadway, what happened was it, the whole industry was changed by the advent of Barbara Streisand, right? Mm. Because before Barbara Streisand, we had Ethel Merman and people like that. Yeah. What happened was Barbara Streisand came and she came from a, the world of movies where everything is miked and everything is small and the face is very small, right? And you just have to basically move with your eyes, right? Because I just started making movies. And I, I love it. But it's a totally different art. And in in, in opera, you know, you're, you're, you're playing to houses of 5,000 yeah. Or you're playing in amphitheaters, very, very ancient amphitheaters that are in Europe, like in Greece and in Sicily, where I sang, you know, a few years ago, right? And you have to have these grand gestes, you know, very large gestures so that the whole crowd can see you and your eyes have to be very big, right? And, you you know, your whole, your your mouth, your chest, your face, your your sinuses, this is your instrument. Right, you're you're not a trumpet, where you can't make your aperture bigger. You're a person, and the bigger that you can make your mouth, mm -hmm. the louder you can make. Do you follow? The yeah. more you can push air in through your lungs and your body, the more you can send your voice out over a ninety-piece, sometimes a hundred and fifty-piece orchestra. Wow. Yeah. So in Broadway, also, you don't have huge orchestras. You have, you know, maybe five, maybe 10 at the most piece orchestras, but they're miked. So mm -hmm. the singers have to be miked also. Yeah. And the singer doesn't really have to work very hard because they're miked. If they can't hear you, it's not your fault. It's the fault of the sound guy. In opera, if they can't hear you, you're in trouble. Yeah. Right? I'm just thinking back to like the operas that I've seen. I haven't, yeah. I've only seen three. I've seen okay. Merry Widow. I saw oh, that's an operetta, one of my dad's favorites. Yeah. I loved it. One of the first ones I was ever in. Go on. Oh, yeah. I saw uh, Cozy Fontuti. One and wonderful I've one. I've seen uh, Cinderellaan. So those are the only. Cendrillon, which is the uh, version of Cinderella. Yeah. Wonderful. Right. Okay. Yeah. That, uh, I had the most fun at that one. Da, 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 da. Da, da. Yeah. I don't remember it, but I did see it. Yeah. I will yeah, say yeah. I was very tired at the first two, but Cinderella and I was I was there and yeah, you weren't I, tired because it's fun. It was. Well, cause fun too is supposed yeah. to have been fun too, but maybe because it's like an 18th century, you know, uh, opera, it takes a little longer for things to devolve. You know, they had a lot more patience in those yeah. days, you know? And so- But also a modern updated, I mean, it it was the opera, but it was like, uh, 
I think it was like 50s costumes or something. Yeah, 60s. no, I hate when they do that. But also, it's a sort of a harder plot line to accept because it's like, come on, like these two guys don't recognize that they're they're their girlfriends. Like, seriously, yeah. like it, it's very. It's Experian? Line. Hmm? Shakespearean in that way. Yeah. And it, yeah, I don't buy the storyline to begin with. Like, are guys really that dumb? I, you know, it's, it's a tough storyline. Well, it depends on the guy. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling a friend that I don't I was... want to alienate men that are listening. No, no, I, no. It's a very difficult storyline to accept. I will say though, I was talking to a friend of mine and we were talking about Target and she was saying how her fiance doesn't understand aren't like her need to go to target. And I said, I don't think many guys understand. Well, I, I actually to happen to be very lucky. My boyfriend adores shopping. I just think it depends on the guy. You got very lucky. I know I actually did. We actually have competitions. I always win. Tell <laughs> us about these competitions. Is it who can find the best thing at the store? You could actually spend more. It's terrible. It's terrible. Well, that that I could easily do if I had the money to spend. Isn't it terrible? No, no. I mean, we could have like a limit, you know, like yeah. two hundred dollars. But who can get there first? It's terrible. Anyway, let's move along. Moving on. So yeah. once Juilliard is over, what's the um, process like? Of um, once you graduate Juilliard, do you get set up? Like a, it's it's any. It's no, no. It's like anything. You go out and you audition. Mm -hmm. You get jobs and you, you go to work. And I was extremely lucky. I, uh, While at Juilliard, there was a wonderful conductor, Richard Bradshaw, mm -hmm. from Canadian Opera Company. And he invited me to come and audition in Canada. And I was uh, offered roles at uh, Canadian Opera Company. So that was really lucky. And then after that, it uh, you know, you audition and you get work. So uh, I went to sing at Sarasota. I got, you know, one night I woke up and there was a fax from Paris Opera. And I was like, oh, my God, I was asleep. I didn't see this fax. You know, and then by the time you call back because of the time difference, you already have yeah. missed that opportunity. But then it's like, oh, my God. And then uh, they call back because the other soprano didn't take it. It was the cover of one of the greatest singers of all time, Mirella Franey. You know, there was like, so things happen and, mm -hmm. you know, it, you look back and you think, oh, what if I had taken that job? And what if I had, you see, you always wonder, could I have done more? You know, could my career have gotten bigger? And then at a certain point, I made the decision to have children. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people who didn't have children. And I, I am so grateful that I did. Yeah. I'm so, so is glad. that a, is that a. It's I don't want to say it's true, but is that a thing in the opera world? Like, well, you know, sure. you I'm also sure. have a lot of, you know, people who have done TV and film for many years who up. See, I told you at some point we're going to hear you know something. I'm going to close my door while you're, because it's cold. Here. Hold on. Yeah. We're just going to take a moment, guys. Uh, Sharon is closing her door. Life is great. I'm just going to riff until she comes back. So there's not any dead air. She's back. Hey. Oh. Sorry, no, I was but... saying I live in Manhattan and I'm like right off of 8th Avenue. So I'm sure at some point you're going to be hearing horns or sirens. It's happening again. So it's all good. That's but good. what I was, yeah, because I was saying sometimes people decide not to have children for their career or they have kids and they try to do a work life balance with their career and all of that stuff. So I have so many friends, uh, several girlfriends that I went to Juilliard with that I've known throughout the years that decided not to. And I made that decision really, you know, right about then, you know, 
I knew, I always knew I wanted to have kids. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's only so many years mm -hmm. that you can have them. Yeah. It, it's a terrible choice. Of course, male singers don't have that problem. Mm -hmm. And so lucky them. But yeah, but you know what? If you're careful, if you're lucky, if you if you take care of yourself, I mean, I'm really lucky, you know, at, I've been a, I can, I can thank, please God, you know, thank God I can still sing. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to add what for you. I thank you. You're welcome. It's not the same. It's certainly mm -hmm. not the same. Um, you know, in my thirties, I had this instrument of power, you know, had high C's, you know, in my forties, I still had the high C's and I could still sing Verdi, you know, as you get into your fifties, it, it's not the same. Mm hmm and that's what I was talking, we were talking about before yeah. the show that, you know, you, uh, you have to switch. Opera is absolutely an ageist career. So, uh, and especially what happened with COVID, look what happened with so many people where there was no place to perform. So I, I switched over, I started to, and, and I was so lucky. I have to say luck really does play a huge factor. I was lucky to meet Frank Wildhorn, mm -hmm. right? before COVID and and right before that I had begun to switch over to Broadway and um, I had made my first Broadway album with uh, Marvin Laird mm -hmm. who is uh, Bernadette Peters uh, music director so I had begun getting interested in in Broadway had a wonderful experience um, working with Marvin Laird and then lucky enough to meet Frank. We made the album Frank B. Sharon, mm -hmm. which I hope people would listen to. The Broadway album is on Time Warner and frankly, Sharon is on Time Warner and they're on all of the streaming platforms. I listened to, like I was telling you, I listened to um, Living in the Shadows because again, I will mention on the podcast because I mentioned off podcast, I love Victor Victoria. Yeah. Um, I grew up watching that movie. I always... Yeah one of the very few people in my age range um, that actually got to see the Broadway production with Julie Andrews. Oh, and wow. I only know one other person who has actually seen that production. And I have it on DVD somewhere signed by Gregory Jabara, who was in that production. Wow. Um, yeah. So I, I love Victor Victoria and living in the shadows is one of the great songs from it too. And yeah. you sing it beautifully on your album. Thank you. So I was so, so lucky. I, I got to meet Frank. We became dear friends. I adore him. Yeah. And um, he has some great stuff out there. I mean, oh, I'm, he's amazing. Yeah. He's so talented. Yeah. So kind. So kind. Mm -hmm. I mean, and so he basically, it, this was like a huge moment in, in my life because I was coming to terms with the idea. I so so this is 2018 and I'm actually making my Metropolitan Opera debut. Wow. Okay. <laughs> 2018 winter, December going into 19. So December, January, I'm making my Metropolitan Opera debut as a it was a comedic role in a tragic opera. This is Which so opera was it? No, wait, this is what's so funny, right? Oh, okay. Here I am, a nice Jewish girl from Montreal. I'm a cantor. And we should talk about why did I become a cantor. Oh, and, we will. Yeah. And, <laughs> and what is my role? I'm a nun. 
<laughs> Listen, I get it. I'm Jewish. When right? I was in college, I did a scene from doubt and I was full on nun. I get it. Right. And there I am. And not only am I a nun, but I'm the funny nun. I'm the funny nun who all she cares about is eating in this opera, this tragic opera that is like the most gut-wrenching, tear-wrenching opera that Puccini ever wrote called Suor Angelica, Sister Angelica, which is like the most, it's a fabulous opera. But the thing is, it's like talking about age and time and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, I wish I had, when I was 30, I could have sung the lead role in that opera. Mm -hmm. And my life's dream would have been to sing the lead role of that opera at the Met. And here I am 20 years later, and I'm singing the comic character role in that opera. So you, you get the, there's a bittersweet thing there, right? Yeah. And I'm making my debut at the Met singing that. So, you know, yes, oh, it's wonderful, everybody. Oh, you've sung at the Met. Yeah, okay, thank you. I'm so grateful that I'm singing at the Met, but it's not, what I wish I would have sung at the Met. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. And I don't mean to, I'm not saying it in a complaining way. I'm just saying, you know, we, our careers don't always take the path that we wish. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Try, let's see how we can transition into you becoming a cantor then. <laughs> so. Yeah, okay. So again, so here, it's all because of decisions that we make. Mm -hmm. Really, I think it is. Yeah. So the decision that I made was that I, I wanted to have children. Mm -hmm. And I was being ardently, ardently pursued by a very gorgeous man who was 10 years younger than me at the time. Get a girl, that's what I say. He was way too young to, to be a father, but he was very magnificently beautiful. And I just, you know, succumbed. <laughs> what can I tell you? And I had two very beautiful, wonderful children, as I, I've just told you, mm -hmm. who are very talented and very good sons and marvelous. And so I um, had these babies. And uh, then what happened was their father just up and left. Yep. And there I was with two little babies and no partner. And there was really not much way that I could continue my career at that point. Mm -hmm. And there I was in New York. And so I had no visible means of support. My parents were like, uh-huh. <laughs> so so um, I remembered that I had had a parochial school upbringing. Mm -hmm. I was fluent in Hebrew, I still am, mm -hmm. and French and English, and I, by then Italian too, a little bit of German, Spanish, and so on. I'm good at languages. And so what could I do? Because really, I couldn't support these kids you can go to be a receptionist somewhere or, or something and you can earn exactly the same amount of money as you have to pay to the person who's taking care of your kids and frankly i, I didn't want to do that but um a cantor actually earns a decent salary mm -hmm. and you know works on weekends and holidays and so that's what I decided to do. And my first jobs were near where I was living in Westchester. And in um, uh, there was a, a lovely synagogue out in Sag Harbor, which is um, in Long Island. Mm -hmm. I'm from Long Island, so I, oh, okay. I know fairly yeah. well. Yeah. 
Yeah. So that was my first job as a cantorial soloist because I, I wasn't yet ordained. In fact, I never got ordained because it was a, it's a very long uh, process. Um, but yeah, I studied uh, for a really long time at the Academy for Jewish Religion. And I uh, worked for two years at a synagogue in Adas, Israel, in Sag Harbor. And then finally in 2000, I, I have needed help from my parents. So I moved back to Montreal. And you worked in Montreal too, correct? At a specific, there was a specific. There's only one. So I was the first uh, female cantor in Montreal. And there's only one reform synagogue in Montreal. It's the Temple Emmanuel. And I worked there for two years. So yeah. what brought you back to the stage? Because as a cantor, you know, people probably hear cantor, they don't really know what it is unless you're, you know, Jewish like we are. Um, but you get to perform and you're performing prayers in these beautiful Jewish songs. Um, so you still get to perform your love of that. But what brought you back to the stage and kind of getting away a little bit from being a cantor? Um, actually, I, I actually thought I would stay a cantor forever. I, I loved it. Um, I don't think of it as performing because you're, you're, um, you're really, it's, um, what do you call it? Um, prayer. It's, uh, it's prayer. Yeah. And you're, you're, and the kind of can, cantor work that I love to do is, and what, what, what is it when you're sharing? Uh, what's that word? It's not so much performing as sharing with the kahal with the uh the people you know that are singing with you you know i mean not uh, although, you, but um yeah, i understand what you're saying i can't think know, of the word but i get it there are some moments okay when you're yeah. yes you are definitely singing and they're listening but mm -hmm. then there's a lot of moments when you're singing and they're singing too and so that was the kind of uh singing that i i prefer to do as a cantor um but yes in a reform movement which is more formal i think than like what you have uh, nowadays you have a lot more um less uh less uh what oh my god my english now my english is failing you can, you can uh, say it in a different language it's fine no, I really I'm understand trying to think of, what is the word when something is more formal thank you yeah. well, uh it, it reform is a little bit more formal than mm -hmm. some of the other kind of um yeah uh, traditions but so it, where I was, it was quite formal. So there would be moments when it's definitely, you know, the cantor is singing and the people are listening. But then there are also more, like I have an album that I did when I was the cantor called Friday Night Live. And I loved it because it's, you can hear everybody singing with me. And one of my teachers at uh, cantorial school was Saul Zim, Z-I-M. He's from New York. And I did a lot of his music because what I loved about it is it's very, what's the word when, uh, you know, I sing, you sing, I sing, you sing, I sing, you sing. Oh, I can't think of the word, but I, I you know I, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, reciprocal. reciprocal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Reciprocal. So mm -hmm. I, I love that. I love that. I love that when everybody sings. Uh, so what happened is that I didn't. And I'm going to say this. This is very controversial what I'm about to say. So I hope nobody from Montreal is listening. But it's been 18 years. So I am going to say it. Mm -hmm. In 2002 or three, um, the 
the rabbi there, I was, I actually had a huge following. I had 2,000 people at my high holiday services. We had to have two seatings. I believe that the rabbi was jealous. I don't know. He, I, I later found out that he had fired 11 people in nine years in his previous job. And the same problem had happened in the, in Montreal. And I was just, I was fired without warning, without cause. And it, it really devastated me. I ended up having to sue the temple for wrongful dismissal, and I won. I won. But it totally devastated me. Even though I won, mm -hmm. and uh, what? where did the money go? It went to pay the lawyers. I mean, it's not like there was no other place that I could work, right? Because I was already settled in Montreal. I mean, in Montreal, it's the only reform synagogue. Mm -hmm. So it's not like I could go, I mean, if I had wanted to relocate to Plattsburgh or Vermont or go back to New York, sure, there would have been a lot of work for me. I'm a really good cantor. Yeah. But my kids were already in school. They were three and five years old. They were young. Yeah. They, I had my parents near me. Finally, things were, you know, smoothing out, you know. So the truth of the story is that why did I go back to opera? Because I couldn't be a cantor anymore. I really liked being a cantor. But there was no place in Montreal for me to be a cantor anymore. Isn't it funny how life mm -hmm. throws you uh, curveballs? Yeah. Were so, you, sorry, go ahead. No, it's okay. That's yeah. the story. So Have after you... that, I went back to school. That's why I went back to school in Montreal. Mm -hmm. I went and to you university. got your master's degree and you also got your PhD. My doctorate, yeah. Yeah. So what you going back to school, what did you hope to accomplish with those degrees? And I have it written down. <laughs> um, degree in vocal performance and a doctorate in music. So both, both of them in vocal performance. Yes. Both, so both in music and vocal. Well, number one, I went to University of Montreal, which is a French university, not yes. to McGill. And the reason that I wanted to do that was because I wanted to sort of infiltrate the French society of Montreal. I wanted to make connections in, in, in the French world of mm -hmm. Montreal because I, I figured I pretty much knew the, the, the English Montreal, right? Because I had such a, I knew everybody in the, in the Jewish community yeah. already, right? Mm-hmm. And I did, and they gave me a lot of opportunities. I sang in, with orchestra. I, um, I, I, I started to audition in the, in, in the French world in Montreal, and I, I sang, I started to sing. I got my manager back in New York. I started to audition. I started to go back to New York. I sang with uh, small opera companies in New, in New Jersey and in New York City, and I sang at Carnegie Hall. And so I started to sing again in, in the opera world. That's great. So from then to now, I know that you said you kind of want to start entering into the world of Broadway. And when did you decide you wanted to take that route? I think and it was, uh, so I made my Met Opera debut 20 Yes, 2018. And, and at the, in the same year, I met Frank Wildhorn. Mm -hmm. And in the same year, we decided to start working on Frankly Sharon. 
the album. Mm-hmm. And it took about a year uh, to choose the songs on that album. And it took about a year for me to translate. So out of the 11 songs, two are in English, the one that you liked, Living mm-hmm. in the Shadows, and the other one is Anything Can Happen. And I'm mm-hmm. um, not sure why he chose to keep those two in English. I think because they're perfect in English. I just couldn't imagine them in, in any other language. And the other nine I translated myself mm-hmm. into French and Italian, and one is in Hebrew. Mm-hmm. And um, I think the reason that we translated them is because they had never been tr- translated. Like some had been translated into Czech, into Japanese, into Korean, into other languages, but not into French, not into Italian, and not into Hebrew. So, it, I, and those are the languages that I speak fluently. So it, it, I could just hear them, you know, in those other languages. So that's what we decided. And then basically, Frank literally i would say like spoon fed me how to sing you know in this new technique so if you listen to the broadway album you can still sort of hear me almost like my idea of what broadway sounds like but i'm not right it's too operatic my singing like when I listen to it now, I get mad at myself. I'm like, no, 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 that's not right. But there's such, there's a beautiful richness to your voice too that I noticed that I really loved when listening Thank to you. it. Yeah, it's very kind of you. Thank you. But but frankly, Sharon, I feel is like that's really like I think Frank got it right. Like he's really taught me how to. He keeps going like, no, no, more breath, baby, more breath, <laughs> breathy, no, more breathy. <laughs> he's really tough. You know, but he's he's right. I mean, he has such ears, you know, he's a he's a genius. He's just a genius. Yeah. So how did you how are you able to uh, perform on other Broadway or off Broadway albums? I guess I could say because uh, I guess people in, invite me, they they which is lovely, you know, and um, like, for example, with the Fiddler on the Roof album. Mm-hmm. Well, I made friends with Robert Cher. Robert Cher is a character. He's a wonderful. He's a total character. Nutcase brilliant character and um so for example um he, well he's the one who introduced me to marvin laird for mm-hmm. the uh, my album my broadway album and he put together the whole thing and um in in the fiddler on the roof album um there are three songs there that i'm on two are a duet with tom wombat and one is um with a whole ensemble I'm singing Golda in uh, in a first number that was, you can hear the theme of it throughout the show, but it was totally cut out from uh, from the what the show ended up being. Mm-hmm. And it's it's fun. It's uh, so you won't you don't see my name anywhere on the thing, but um, I'm looking for it here. It's it's uh, you won't see it only once you open up the album. If you look at the Fiddler on the Roof album in Yiddish, it's on the inside, you know, the extra. Yeah, in the booklet, right? In the booklet, yeah. 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 Do you want me to tell you what the songs are called? Sure, for those listening, that way we can hear you. Okay, hold on, I have to open that up. I have one here, but it's so shrink wrap. You know what I'll do? I'll send it to you. If you don't have it, I'll be happy to send it to you. After this is over, tell me your address and I'll send it. We'll do. We won't announce it on the podcast, but... (laughs) 
I will send it to you. But the songs, hold on, I'll tell you. It was wonderful. Did you get to see the show? I didn't. I I also have like no money to see anything now, but I really wanted to see it because I worked for about a year doing merch at the revival of Fiddler. And I just never got the chance to see it. Just passed me by. So it's called, the one is, we've never missed a Sabbath yet. Mm. And they're all nervous, like, oh, Sabbath is coming, Sabbath is coming. And the mama, which is me, is saying, don't worry, it's okay, we've never missed a Sabbath yet. And then there's two, um, two uh, duets, If I Were a Woman, mm -hmm. with Tom Wapat, and as much as that two duets with Tom Wapat. And by the way, I never got to meet him. It's all, we did it, like I recorded my part and he recorded his part. I feel like that's the case with a lot of things nowadays yeah, or yeah, even in the past, yeah. you know, people yeah, I love, animated I, movies and it's like that. I love his voice. And the people that are in my um, my uh, sextet are Donna McKechnie, mm -hmm. Nancy Opal, Alicia Umfris, Mimi Bissett, and Lauren Molina. Amazing. Amazing performers. Amazing people. Yeah. I mean, it's wonderful. It's a, it's a, it's a great cast album. Yeah. Well, I'm very excited. I think excited. we got a Tony. I think we got a Tony. Not sure. I know that the show got a Tony. But uh, it's, it was a great show. Really, really wonderful show. Anyway, after that, after Frankly, we did Fiddler. After Fiddler, I just came out with another album which is a tribute to Michelle Legrand. Yes, and that is Secret Places. Yes, and I love this album. Uh, it was also a COVID album. Yes, I, so I, for I those listening, yes, yeah. Frankly, Sharon, and um, Secret Places are both were both made during the pandemic. Yeah. So that's quite a feat, so, too. So wait, so we, we recorded uh, Frankly, Sharon. We finished it oh. February 23. 2020 can you imagine wow and then because like a month frank, later everything frank was with me in montreal he was staying in my house i was feeding him my homemade gravlux every morning every morning he would have he, he's such a nut every morning he would have frosted flakes and a bagel with lux before we would go in the studio and then we would go in the studio and they would be like you know what i don't know what they were ordering we would work 12 hours a day Oh, wow. And we made this album. The album has how many songs? The album has 14 songs. Wow. And we did it in a week because every day we were like, okay, I think we were 11 till, you know, four. And mm -hmm. I would go home. I would lie down and I would be back six till 11 every wow. day. Right. And I don't know what, those guys that are they're like, they're lunatics, you know, but I guess so am I. Like, you know, we're every, every theater person is a little loony, but you know, that's what makes us great. Yeah. And, and we did it, we did it in a week. And then I took him to, I don't know, you, you've been to Montreal, right? I haven't been in over 20 years, but. Do you remember the orange julep? I mean, you must know that this huge. I've heard of it, but I can't. enormous orange place, yeah. the worst hamburgers in the world, the worst French fries in the world, but this orange drink i said you know frank you have to experience the orange julep before you leave montreal so february 23 a week later can you imagine was it a week later yeah 
23. Well, maybe in Canada, not for U.S. yet. No, sweetheart. March 13, the world closed down. Yeah. Well, Talk for I remember specifically for Broadway me. closed. Yes, Broadway. Yes. Yeah. But for me personally, I used to work in the hotel industry. March 16th, we got the we're closing. We'll be back in two weeks. And I remember specifically because I was going to wear green the next day for St. Patrick's Day. So it was March 16th when everything shut down for me officially. I had just, I met my boyfriend that night, March 23. Oh, wow. I had a concert, sorry, February 23. The day Frank left, I met my boyfriend. We went, to, I had a concert March 8. Mm -hmm. He came to see my concert. We went to New York. Then the next day, March 9th, we were in New York City on the day that was March 13. I remember it like it was yesterday. They said the Metropolitan Opera closed, Broadway closed, Carnegie Hall closed. I, I honestly thought the world was ending. Yeah. Like I, I, in my lifetime, I never could imagine a Metropolitan Opera closing. Yeah. Just to, but f so think about it. February 23 till March 1 is seven days. Mm -hmm. March 7, that's 14 days, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. So it's literally three weeks before, for me, the end of the world. Like, how lucky am I that we finished this album? Yeah. And then the mixing and the match and all of the, so then we finished the recording. It was just mm -hmm. me on the vocals and Frank on the piano. Mm -hmm. And then all of the instrumentation that was added by Jason Howland. By the way, Jason Howland is a brilliant orchestrator. He just had his own show on Broadway, right? And he I did all of the orchestration. I forget the name of his show, but you know what you should, you know what you should do? You should add it at the end. You should look it up and add. When no, I'll do it quickly right now. Okay, Jason Howland, H-O-W-L-A-N-D. And he works a lot with Frank and he just wrote his own show and it was very successful and it just closed. <clears throat> anyway, um, he did all the, he added all the instruments, uh, you know, um, by, uh, what do you call, you know, distance, uh, the way everything was done during the pandemic. Yeah, hold on, I'm looking right. Oh, Paradise Square. That's yes. what I was yeah paradise square okay i should know that so i i had to google it it's yeah. fine yeah and i should put you know give a shout out to frank fans that he's hoping to make a return to broadway now with his new show bernadette song of bernadette so we should all be looking for that and i'm going to be making another album with him in the summer that's maybe there's a part for you in that and you can be in broadway I need to, well, I would have to audition like everybody else. But, but so we talked about the pandemic and, you know, the creation of this album as a performer. And I don't know what it was like in Montreal or in Canada, but what was it like for performers during that time where they couldn't perform? Terrible, just terrible. I mean, me, I, I keep myself busy. I'm always, uh, I think that everybody has to create work. A lot of people were, you know, singing on, on YouTube. I tried a little bit of that, you know. Um, I hate that. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not so good at it. Yeah. Um, but I, I so I, I'm, I went to California because that's where my boyfriend um, 
is from. And frankly, it was great to get away from Montreal because Montreal, Canada, you know, was just terrible. I mean, we didn't have vaccine. My poor mother was had to go way up north to the country because that was where it was safe, you know. Yeah. And thank God we had a country house so that she could just be away from everybody. And I think that's how she it helped her to survive. We did not have vaccine in Canada. I don't know what happened, but somebody messed up really, really badly. I'm going to blame the prime minister, but, you know, we didn't have vaccine in Canada, okay? And I'm very lucky because my boyfriend, who is Canadian, by the way, but has been working uh, for, you know, 20 odd years in the United States, I have an O visa, right, because of my performing career. So I was lucky I could get to the United States. And, um, I got to California and because I have asthma and other stuff, I was able to get uh, the vaccine eventually, but it was still earlier than anybody in Canada. So I was lucky. Yeah. Lucky. I'm a lucky person. You are. You're very lucky with a lot of stuff. So you see, does asthma, because you said you just had asthma, has that anything with performance? Has that no, no, no. Lots of singers have asthma. I don't know how come. It just—I I developed it later in life, and um, you know, you, you just have to be aware. I mean, you have to carry your puffer, just like anybody who has asthma. Yeah, um, I have a friend who does that. We'll walk a couple of blocks, and then she'll just take out her. Oh, no, no, I'm not that bad. No, no, yeah. well, I get it. Like the weather. <sighs> so oh, really, no, yeah, no. I mean, it depends. If like I get it, I think it's so. I get it if I'm allergic to things like horses or cats. Mm -hmm. or stuff like that then i'll have like a i might have a what do you call an attack you know but if i normally i don't need a no yeah when i had i did get covid you know finally in june and then after covid i found that i needed my puffer for about two weeks like post covid but um normally no no one time i was recording and I was way, way up in the country. There are some beautiful places. Mm-hmm. Like we have like a tanglewood up here in Quebec. Mm-hmm. And um, all of a sudden I started to cough. I'm like, what is this cough? And one of the recording engineers, he says to me, Sharon, that's an asthma cough. I'm like, oh, because I hadn't had an asthma attack in so long. I forgot, you know, what it was. And I didn't have my puffer with me. I'm like, oh, God, what do I do? He's like, here, use mine. <laughs> I know you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> emergency situations yeah yeah but then after after that i started to carry my puffer again because like i was like oh okay sure you know like yep so it's okay yeah so i'd love to um bring up what we talked about before we started recording how you kind of want to start getting into broadway um and we also talked about you know how it is to sing as an opera singer but now that you're learning how to sing this Broadway style music, and it's all very different, how is it for you singing opera, singing as a cantor, and singing these Broadway songs? What's wow. the difference? What do you find great challenging? Question. What do you find rewarding? Right. Great, great, great question. Especially the part about the cantor, because mm-hmm. it's so interesting because um, so parts of singing like a cantor mm-hmm. are operatic. Mm-hmm. Especially if you go back to the cantorial music of the 1950s and 60s, uh, where you had like the great um, cantors like Jan Pierce, Richard Tucker, Robert Merrill, you know, and they were actually Richard Tucker, Robert Merrill, Jan Pierce, they were actually opera singers. 
Interesting. And, and they uh, they were great cantors also. Well, Robert Merrill wasn't a cantor, but he sang cantorial music sometimes. And they sang like opera singers. And cantorial music has sort of morphed, though, you know, as we've, um, as we've become more reform and less uh, formal, as we were talking about before, yeah. then the singing style has become less operatic. And so now, you know, you have just anybody becoming a cantor with a guitar. Right. Yeah. And then they just so they aren't even trained in their singing. And so the singing style obviously has become much more folk. Mm -hmm. So some of the songs that you sing or that you find find in synagogues nowadays are really not uh, cantorial even. Yeah. Or right? a traditional, I guess you could say more the traditional type. Right. Okay. And, mm -hmm. and the thing is, I can do both. Right. Because um, and so even like on Broadway, I don't know if you've noticed, but like, uh, um, I'm not going to name any names, but sometimes when I go to Broadway and I go to a lot of Broadway because I love Broadway and I've taken, I've brought up my kids going to Broadway. You know, every time we would go to New York, I'd always pack in like at least two to three shows. I just yeah. love it. We would be sitting, you know, way, 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 way up in the back and I didn't care. We we I they we have a stack, you know, all the shows we've seen. I, oh, I still have I have a huge container under my bed of like playbills, yeah. and yeah. I keep a list of every single show I've seen. I've been seeing yeah. shows for I don't want to age myself, but like thirty years. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, my kids like literally since they. I mean, I would just drag them. I you mm -hmm. know, so I I think we 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 all. I mean. I just dread because my boyfriend's son has just recently come to live with us and he, he doesn't have any and he's got a great voice and he has a natural love of it. And I'm like, okay, how do I start him out? You know, like, so yeah. I actually started him out on YouTube just with Avenue Q. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. and he loved it. You know, I, I don't yeah. know. How to, you have to break them in, you know. Like, yeah, it's, it's so funny you mentioned that because last night I saw something at 54 Below, which I know you've performed at. Yeah. Yeah, and it was a reunion of all of the like all different women who've played Jenna in Waitress, oh, and two of the uh, how the many hosts. are there? Um, there was one, two. There was five last night, but it's like you know, one of them was a swing who went on. Another person did like the second national tour. Another one did the second national tour. So it was a mix of like Broadway national tour understudy swing what have you um but christine dwyer and her husband who was hosting they performed a song from once together and my friends and i were talking about it and so last night i went on youtube and i just sent her once that's still on youtube because it's just one of those shows that has such a special place in my heart and just yeah. rejuvenates the soul so and i feel like a certain theater can do that to you yeah i mean my kids grew up literally grew up listening to Godspell mm -hmm. and Joseph and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. I mean, I just know that these shows are in their, you know, yeah. I don't know what you call it, souls. They, there's no way that they can in their DNA. Anything. Right. And they're like, they're so musical, my kids, that like, I know that they know every, <laughs> every yeah. note of the show, you know. I forget what we were talking about. I'm sorry. Oh, we were talking about um, singing opera, cantor music, and we yeah. were talking about folksy I, now cantor music. You were, you were asking me the, the difference of how you sing them? 
Well, yeah, for you, what do you, how do you feel the difference and um, what do you find the biggest struggle and the easiest part of it? So as I was saying before, opera is a sport, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's a very cardiovascular. Cardiovascular sport, but also it's like you're riding a huge, it's, it, it's so picture that you are, as I said before, you're a figure skater, okay? Mm -hmm. And you're, the music is going, the music is going and you're about to do a triple axel, right? Mm -hmm. And it's really like that because the audience that loves opera and they're really a devoted, intelligent, knowledgeable uh, uh, fan base, right? Yes. People who go and see Verdi, Forza del Destino, they know every note, they know every word they are following and they have seen it probably at least three, five times. And they go every, or let's say it's Wagner, or let's say it's La Boheme, whatever it is, they've seen it before. And they are judging, you know, did you do it as good as this one who I saw last year at La Scala? Do you, are you doing it as well as this one who I'm seeing at San Francisco? And so on. Or did I, you know, I just saw it on YouTube, what mm -hmm. have you, right? And are you holding that high note as long as such and such did? right so there you are oh the triple axel oh no she didn't do it she did a double axel whoops boom she fell flat on her tuchus. yeah right because mm -hmm. that can happen okay yeah. because here comes a high b flat and ooh, she didn't do it in a spinny beautiful floaty pianissimo because mm -mm -mm. there are days when you didn't get enough sleep you had a talk with your sister who made you really upset and you spent an hour crying and guess what? Your instrument is right here, this tiny little box, which is the size of your little pinky finger, not finger, finger and nail. <clears throat> and those chords have to vibrate. And they have to vibrate very, very tightly. And you have to have that support that you're doing with your diaphragm and your, your, your lungs all the while wearing probably a costume that weighs about 20 pounds next to a tenor who's screaming in your ear and either tickling you or holding you too tight or pushing you or doing I don't know what and you're on a stage where you're you've got a 150 piece orchestra and you can't see the conductor and there and there's hot lights and and maybe you did sleep maybe you didn't maybe you're on it in an amphitheater in ancient Sicily where it's 120 degrees outside and so on and so on and so on and so on and so on. And it doesn't always work. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't. And maybe you have only one shot to get it right. I'm describing to you my career. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, I understand, even though I don't sing. Yeah. You mm -hmm. know, and it, it and it can it can be marvelous. There are moments where I have had moments where I know that there's like a thing of light shooting out of my head, going straight up to God. I know it. And then it's like, oh, this is the best career in the world. And then there are moments where you're like, fuck, I pardon my language. I'm sorry. I know you can curse. It's fine. Ah, uh, you're like, oh, my God, I didn't make that note. And then I want to just jump off the stage and die. Just throw me on top of the bow of the cello. You know, mm -hmm. and it's like, yeah, those are the, that's the way it is. That's just, that's just what it is in the career. And, yeah. and, and, and you don't have, you know, some people are lucky enough to have, 
you know, 40 performances of the same opera so that they do it enough times that they can, re they get that muscle memory and they mm -hmm. get it right, I don't know, 20 times out of 40 and then they're equanim, they're what's that word, when you're equ equanimity, you know, when they, they feel okay. Do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah. And Yeah. So how is it, you're slowly now trying to transition into Broadway. So how is that? Because I know you were saying Frank Wildhorn is teaching you more breath, more this, more yes, that. Yes, 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 yes. So, so how is the, yeah. So now what am I doing? So I made, I've made all these albums. I'm learning all this repertoire. I've got dear, dear friends mm -hmm. that are encouraging me. And the beauty of Broadway is that no matter what age you are, you could be like 80, I think. I don't know how old Bernadette is. I don't know how old. Oh, I, I nearly killed, peed my pants seeing um, go, uh, what is Hello, Dolly. Yeah. Did you see that? I didn't see it with Bette Midler, but I saw it with Bernadette Peters. I saw it with Bette Midler. I thought yeah. I would die. They had to reupholster the seats after me. They actually just announced that they're doing it in London, I think next year with Emilda Staunton, oh who just like, she now does like every fish. I don't know her. Not, she's I don't know. Gypsy. She's actually, I don't know if you watch The Crown. I but, know. My mother does. I, yeah. I so she's going to be Queen Elizabeth in the, the next fifth and sixth season. And do you watch Downton Abbey? my mother does i yeah. have to i, ha I have to, not, i can she's in other things do you watch the harry potter movies i love everyone everyone so she was who's the like the really horrible villain woman who oh becomes, like the headmistress at one so point is she gonna be good in in the pink I That's know, but, uh, oh anyway oh. but no she's gonna be amazing so so are yeah. you gonna go if i don't have the money to, for london but if somebody wants to send me there sure <laughs> you should just write it off as a business expense and go and uh, I should listen I I had somebody who lives in the UK on my podcast so why not no, but like write her and ask to interview her and then you just write everything off I, I'll talk to you about it after. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll chat we'll chat I weirdly it's very so anyway. funny Oh yeah, no, I was just going to say, I find it interesting because it's, for me, when I'm trying to find people's come onto my podcast, it's so much easier to find UK actors, agents information than American actors. Yeah. So I don't yeah, know yeah. why I find that very weird. Anyway, so. Well, I actually need an agent. So, so to answer your question, mm -hmm. I need to create some video audition content. Mm -hmm. I need to find a, a, a Broadway agent Mm -hmm. And it's sort of like starting all over again, you know, yeah. and the truth is that I've, I've been really, really, really busy mm -hmm. and I haven't uh, gotten my act together yet to, to do all that. It's like learning. I have to learn all new repertoire, you mm -hmm. know, so what's the repertoire, Sharon says, Allison, right? Yeah. What's the repertoire? <laughs> Tell me about well, it. Well, I would, I would be perfect as Mrs. Sweet, uh, Mrs. Todd. In Sweeney Todd, well, not Mrs. Todd. What's her name? Oh, Mrs. Uh, Lovett. Mrs. Lovett. Yeah. Well, they are doing a revival of that, but they already have the Mrs. Lovett and Sweeney cast. So oh, that's okay. I would, I would love to be her understudy. You know, like I would, you know, I would, or I would love to be the understudy of the first cast out in the provinces. You know, I, I'm not proud, and I know that I need to get experience. You know, because like I don't have, like I'm starting from scratch now. Yeah. You know, 
Yeah. Well, I know that a lot of performers, it's not, for them, it's not just Broadway. It's about, you know, just the work. And even if it's regional theater, even if it's this, even if it's that, you know, they're just happy to do anything. And that's a great way to build up the resume. That's right. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, uh, You know, the grandmother in in, uh, Pippin? Yes. (laughs) I would be a great grandmother in Pippin. Listen, next revival, whenever that happens, even though they yeah. just had one, you never know. Yeah. yeah. You never know. I'm trying to think of, uh, I mean, she, I, I'm still too young for her, but that I'm thinking of, you know, those kind of things where there's absolutely no age limit. Yeah. You oh. can do like a Mama Morton in Chicago, even though that's a little bit more like, dun, 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 not so much operatic, but. I'm, I'm not really a belter. Yeah. Um, I'm not really a belter. Uh, um, the one you mentioned, the Piazza, Light in the Piazza. Light absolutely. In the Piazza. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite. I actually listened yeah. to the overture today. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's my favorite yeah. musical. I just those, sometimes... those kind of roles are perfect for me because I'm actually an excellent musician. Mm-hmm. And you need probably somebody like me to to sing that because it's not, yeah. not easy, that music. It It's not. Yeah. yeah. I actually looked at that recently. That's a It's a tough sing. I can do that. Yeah. That's something I could do. That yeah, I'm of- just going to like start thinking of like musical theater roles for you. Well, like oh, like anything Minotti wrote. Anything. You know, uh, the Amal and the Night Visitors? The Mother. No, I don't know that one. Oh, that's a beautiful Christmas. It's more of an opera, but mm-hmm. it's, all, it's, it's, it's on the line. Mm-hmm. Um, um, any Minotti opera that's sort of cross between opera and, and, and Broadway. Um, I, I can't think right now, but it's okay. Now we're just like both sitting here thinking of like roles that you can do in <laughs> the so theater. You're very like what nice. roles could she play? I know. Yeah. Um, I actually, somebody just suggested to me, you know, um, the nurse and pirates of Penzance. So there's lots of things in, in light opera. Yeah that I can do. So there's, there, there are things, there are things. There's things out there. Do you, so because it's a different way of singing, are you, are you working with a vocal coach on how to kind of transition? How are you working on that? Yeah, I have, I have uh, several vocal coaches, but my, my teacher for over 10 years now is Bill Schumann, very famous uh, teacher in New York city. And he has worked with everybody. He's worked yeah. both he works both with opera and with Broadway, so he's the perfect guy. He knows how to to teach both, and and I'm I'm confident that he's the right guy, and I adore him, and he's also a dear friend. That's great. Yeah, so yeah. let's let's talk about some of your philanthropy work because I I what I love about it is that it focuses on the arts, which is very yeah. important, and also yeah. new composers. Yeah. Um, so do you want to talk about, because I know you have a couple of them, actually. These- yes, and before I forget, uh, is yeah. it okay if I mention um, that I have a huge concert on October the 20th? Absolutely. Oh, thank you. And yeah. is it okay if I ask people, please, um, you could go on to, um, so in light of this, it, that concert mm-hmm. is uh, for the prizes, which I created mm-hmm. for Azrieli Foundation. So it's as A-Z-R-I-E-L-I foundation.org. 
And if you go on that website, then you'll see the prizes and the concert. And you could click on, uh, there. there's a link, there will be a link, there should be a link to the concert, which is on October 20th. And you can see it live on Medici Television. So it's M-E-D-I-C-I dot TV. I'm just so, also writing this down so I can post yeah, it. I actually just tried it because I have a I have an account on Medici TV. And if you if you go there, you can um you can um click on that link and it will take you. You put in Azrieli, A Z R I E L I, and it will take you directly uh, to the link for the concert on October twentieth, and you'll be able to watch it live. That's wonderful. And I don't think that you have to pay anything to join. I think, or may, I don't know. I hope not. I don't know. Maybe they make you pay. I'm. I already joined, but I don't think that they um, they make you pay. I'm not sure. Well, if you sign up, you'll find out, right? Yeah. <laughs> so the, the this foundation, the Azrieli Foundation, that's the foundation that my father created, mm -hmm. and um, uh, that's a public uh, foundation. And for that foundation, I. I'm pretty much in charge of, of uh, um, steering the grants to arts and music, mm -hmm. which is a, it's a big job. We, we, I've really tried to increase all of the, um, the arts and music giving. And uh, I created these uh, music prizes, which are for new music compositions. Yeah, I apologize again the sirens are just oh, going that's what that is. okay okay yeah it it's me it's not you again Manhattan so okay that's fine no no it's fine so that's that and then um I have I have um two foundations that that I created personally one is the Sharon Azraeli Foundation for the Arts and the other one is called Opera Cares and those are uh, sm much, 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 much smaller foundations uh, where I'm trying to create programs uh, to give to uh, education for music and arts. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's what we're trying to do. That's great. So with the Azarelli Foundation, that's giving money to Jewish performers, correct? Or no, new, no, what is all, it? Or? All across the board, all across the board, or, all over okay. Canada. The only thing with that foundation is it's very hard for it to give in the United States because there's some problem in Canada with giving uh, to United States um, charities. And I'm really not sure why they have to be, uh, go through, um, they have to go through uh, probably a, uh, university or some kind of a thing like that. I'm really not sure why that is. Why do you think um, education in the arts is so important? Oh, gosh. First of all, for some reason, in the past uh, decade or so, mm -hmm. um, government uh, support for arts and music has just plummeted. And I, I don't know why uh, we don't uh, value it anymore. But we know, we know there has been neurological research. And we know that especially children's developing brains are only helped by especially music, mm -hmm. babies' brains, children's brains. We used to give them, it's another language, first of all, music mm -hmm. is another language. And 
you know, all of this is so good for your brain. I don't, I don't understand why we don't, uh, the government is, is just abandoned music. I, I don't understand. I love how you said it's another language. I never ever thought of it in a different way. So I can tell people like, oh yeah, I speak the language of music. I don't, but that's a pretty, that's a pretty fun thing to say. If you think about it, right? First of all, to be able to read music mm -hmm. is a different language. You're looking at glyphs, right? Mm -hmm. On a page. Mm -hmm. So your brain is is working in a different way, and when you listen to blank to music, it's they've they've now for for example we now know that even when a person has dementia, the thing that he will never forget mm -hmm. is the music that he has learned. Yeah, and the further back that the music is learned, they will he will still never forget that music. Yeah, even if a person has Alzheimer's, they'll still remember music. Yeah. So it's it's a different it's a different kind of a learning. It's on a different neural pathway, and um, really, we should be learning more about this. And and, um, and you know, uh, look at uh, the great conductors that we have that came out of Venezuela, because they were on these programs for children uh, called uh, El Sistema. Have you heard about those? I have not, but now I have. Yeah, so they're they're like these programs for kids. They took them off the streets. They gave them after school instruction in music. They made instruments out of like I don't know what cardboard, and and they mm -hmm. just pick up instruments. But they 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 saved these kids, and and out of these programs came some of the great conductors of the world, Gustavo Dudamel, who's conducting at the Met right now, you mm -hmm. know, and it's like how this is the and I'm actually we did this in Canada. And um, they're the only real Sistema program is in New Brunswick, but we're trying to grow the program across Canada now with mm -hmm. the Israeli Foundation. It's something that I really, really believe in. Um, yeah, this is something I, I want to do. I, I really want to grow music instruction for kids. You know who else is doing it in the United States? I think is Renee Fleming. And she's another opera singer who... Um, crossed over to Broadway a little bit too. I think she's singing in Broadway. I don't know if yeah, she's Yeah, I saw her in Carousel when it was on Broadway. And uh, she did a couple of, she actually performed in like the Piazza in a couple of cities around the country. That's and right. um, she's actually going to be premiering a new work at the Metropolitan Opera with uh, Tony winning Broadway actress, Kelly O'Hara, who's performed a few times at the Met. They're doing The Hours. All The Hours, that's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She's a fine musician. Yeah. I don't know much about her music arts work, but I, I'll look, definitely look into it now. Do you have any dream roles? I know that I mentioned I was going to ask her about that, but, and we talked definitely a little bit about Mrs. Like, Lovett. Definitely yeah. Mrs. Lovett. I, I cannot wait to do that. I'm mm -hmm. definitely going to do that somewhere, somehow. Mm -hmm. That's a dream. I don't know. I'll have to think about any others. That's a big role. Yeah. Um, um, I guess I should look at Light in the Piazza more seriously. Yeah. Um, but definitely um, Mrs. Lovett. And um, I don't know. Tell me what you think, if you think there's one that. I'll, I'll, I have to think about it because, I mean, I a friend of mine was ta talking to me about musical theater. I was like, I'm a theater fan, but I don't know as much like in depth certain musicals like other people do. 
I mean, what would you, where do you, like, what do you think is a musical which is done like every year or, or, you know, constantly? I feel like Les Mis never dies. Yeah, I don't but people know. love yeah. Les Mis. There's not a part for me, I don't think. Oh, it would be the one, the woman. I, yeah. I love that part. You know, she's very cynical, that character. I don't think I could do that day in and day out. Yeah. Well, acting. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to say on the podcast certain shows just to get. Yeah. But I don't know. I sometimes feel like there are certain shows where it's just like beating a dead horse. Like we get it already. Like you don't have to revive it again. But um, I'm not going to name this on the podcast. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I can't think right now. Yeah, it's okay. It's all right. Yeah. All right. Tell me what else you you need to know. Well, do you have any, <laughs> since you're such a theater fan, do you have any top going theater experiences? Oh, I just, I'm such a fan of Wicked. I, I adore Wicked. I would even play Mrs. Morrible. There, that's oh. an example. Boom. We figured out I, your Broadway role. I would love, I would, you know, it's not a great part. But just to be in that show, I would probably do that. Yeah. I remember I saw it a couple of years ago because it came back up on my Facebook memories. And this was, I think, like right after the election or right before the election with Trump and Hillary. And my friends and I saw the show and she was saying that the wizard is Trump, Alphaba is Hillary Clinton, and we're all the goats. That's funny. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, it's kind of true. I so, don't think, yeah. I don't know if Alpha Buzz Hillary Clinton. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. But huh. the show is wonderful. I, I do love the fact that Jonathan Bailey, who is from Bridgerton and has a very large theater background, is playing Fiero in the Wicked movie and that they went with musical theater performers because Ariana Grande was on Broadway and Cynthia Riva has a Tony and they went with that type of casting for the movie. I don't think it has to be a two part movie. But that's just me. Um, making it into a two-part. You're making Wicked into two parts, to which I'm like, they should just do what they did with Funny Girl. Why? Put it in intermission, because they're like, it's too grand to make it. You have to end the movie oh, with. Oh, I don't agree gravity. with that. No, a lot of people don't agree with that, but they're gonna do it. Yeah. That's too bad. That I don't agree with that either. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What would you say yours is? Oh God. Okay. So Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812. Really? Really? Yeah. It That's one of two musicals that has a special place in my heart. Um, why? I don't know. There's just something about that show. There are certain things I just can't explain, which it's not great, but I just love that show so much. I saw it when it was first in the tent on 45th street. My alarm that I wake up to is the interlude or the intro to no one else. I just genuinely love that show. I saw it many times. I'm, how many times do you see it on Broadway? Four? I saw, it, I saw it twice. Yeah, I love that show. Almost every time I got a pierogi, which was great. When they like threw it into the- <laughs> And uh, I was, I've been very, so during the pandemic, um, some friends and I created these virtual reading companies where we put on virtual reading performances. Uh, to raise money for formerly known as the Actors Room, but now the Entertainment Fund and Broadway Cares. And I was very lucky enough to get to work with three of the performers who were in Great Comet. So I got to gush to be like, I love that show so much. I actually, ironically, my 
my computer is sitting on the Natasha Pierre great comet coffee table book right now. <laughs> so, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. I love that show. I, but I actually really believe in the Actors Fund. I actually was thinking about that. I was thinking of, that I have to figure out a way of helping. Yeah. The fund. I, yeah. I, I they actually like just changed the name now to the Entertainment Fund, which I think is great because it's not just for actors. It's for everybody pretty much in the theater community and, you know, opera, dance, front of oh. house, back of house. It's for everyone. Oh, oh that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe in that fund. Actually, it's a good fund. Yeah, it's a very a lot of people do. And that was it was so great doing these readings because during the pandemic, they were also able to help a lot of people out who, you know, couldn't perform because yeah, the industry was yes. just taken away pretty much. Mm -hmm. But other other things was I'm trying to think of uh, light in the well. Going, but I went to the reunion concert of Light in the Piazza, and I just remember crying throughout the entire second act. And walking home, I overheard some guy on the phone. He was saying how he was a subscriber to Lincoln Center, and he just got tickets to this thing because it was a part of the subscription. And he said, "Yeah, everybody in my row was crying." And I just thought that was the funniest thing because the guy clearly didn't know the show, and he just went. And he's like, "Yeah, everybody was crying." Um, but he, I also was he though? Did he get it? Like. I, I don't know. I just overheard this like blip of a conversation and I just thought it was hilarious. Um, what else? I play wise, there was this play called Brief Encounter, which was based on the movie Brief Encounter. And it was one of the most brilliant theater experiences, how they did projection on the screen and somebody walked into the screen and they were on the screen. Also the play next fall, there's this play called The Ferryman, which is like, you like plays too i do yeah i'm i'm really i was telling my friend like i'm missing i really want like a good like a ferryman type show like a good uk import mind-blowing show just to like come back to new york so i can just sit there and watch it yeah Interesting. I'm really a musicals. I guess that. that yeah. Well, no, I am too. I just, my first play I saw was when I was a freshman in college years ago, but also uh, Beth Level and Danny Burstein and the Drowsy Chaperone is just. Oh, yes, 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 yes. yes. I still to this day, I talk about how brilliant that was. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. there's more. And I, oh, also Leah Schreiber and Top Radio. I don't remember much of the show but I just remember sitting there watching it and watching him being like oh so that's what acting is yeah but I yeah I just a huge theater nerd I mean my bat mitzvah theme was Broadway so yeah and the next thing I'm seeing the next show I'm seeing is actually almost famous and that's a musical and it's based on one of my favorite movies and I have a friend from college who's making his Broadway debut in it so that's very exciting. That's, oh, there's a Canadian in it, I think. Oh. One of my kid's friends is is is, is going to be in it. Uh, guy, I forget his name, Patrick something. Have a look when you go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I just know my friend Brandon who's going to be in it. And I, I feel like I'm the Jewish mother of my friends, but I don't know if I told him this, but I like subconsciously, unsubconsciously like feel like his Jewish mother. Cause like every time I talk about him making his Broadway debut, I start to cry because like, there's nobody I know who's like more deserving of this opportunity. 
What's his name? Brandon Contreras. He's actually been on my podcast too. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Well, I th I think that's it. So I would love to just put a, a shout for people to please, if they can, watch my concert on October 20th mm -hmm. on Dichi TV. <clears throat> and um, maybe I can come back and as soon as I know when my concert with Warren is going to be, uh, I hope it'll be at 54 below. We'll see. Yeah. I live right around the corner. I can, I can definitely make an appearance and watch it. Oh, that would be so wonderful. I'd love yeah. to meet you in person. But before we end, I do want to ask the Inside the Actors studio. Oh, right, right, right. Go ahead. So what is your favorite word? My favorite word? Mm-hmm. Mm. Love. Mine too. What is your least favorite word? Fear. What turns you on? Music. What turns you off? Cold. What is your favorite curse word? Fuck. <laughs> Pretty much everyone's. What sound or noise do you love? What sound or noise do mm -hmm. I love? I, I would, I probably, uh, I love the noise of, I love water. Yeah, that's a great one. What sound or noise do you hate? Sirens. I'm sorry that they went off a couple. Oh, no, that's okay. It's, uh, I, just, I, I mean, you know. Yeah. Um, what profession other than yours would you like to attempt? Um, uh, can it be something that I also do attempt? But I do love it. Oh, sure. Design, designer. Yeah, because you have a background in it. You have the degrees. Yeah. Um, what profession other than, oh, no, I already asked that one. What profession would you not like to attempt? <laughs> An engineer of any kind. <laughs> yeah. And finally, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Oh, I do believe. I actually think heaven exists. What would I like him to say? Yeah, would you like to hear him say when you arrive? Welcome. <laughs> As James Lipton would say, here are your students. Well, sure. Thank you so no, much. I, I, I don't want students. I just want to. Oh, no, no. I said that's what James Lipton would say. And then the MFA students would be like, I'm a third year actor. Yeah, no, no, no. I don't want that. I just wanted to say you could come in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Sharon, thank you so much for coming on. Everyone, if you are listening, please check out Sharon's concert on October 20th. If you, AzareliFoundation.com, correct? Azareli, yeah. A-Z-R-I. Yes. Is it Azareli.com or? AzareliFoundation.org. .org. I wrote it down wrong. Um, the concert is on October 20th. Please watch. Please check out Sharon's many wonderful things. You can get her albums. You can listen to them online. Check her out in a regional production or a Broadway production of Sweeney Todd when it comes to Broadway, <laughs> not with Annalie Ashford and Josh Groban, just Sharon herself. Maybe you should do like a one woman show of Sweeney Todd. That, that would be interesting.
God, we have (laughs) the the deer. (laughs) Think of it. Well, well, you know what, Allison? If I come up with such a thing, I will call you. I will talk. Yeah. I I have a background in directing virtual things. Why not a live production on stage? Okay. We'll talk. We'll talk. Okay. (laughs) Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Have a good one. Allison, thank you, thank you, thank you.